Shut up and sit down. He is now back. As MJ fist pounds the floor of Madison Square Gardens, the return was completed after a 50-plus point performance. MJ had officially come out of retirement. Not the same thing today, but certainly a hype around the MMA community. Sports enthusiasts, combat sport enthusiasts, the Irish fight fans all around the world, there's a uh, there's an anticipation for this evening's press conference between Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov, and we just had to jump on and get into this a little bit today. So thanks for joining us. This is the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, as always, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're going to get to the press conference, which is coming up in just a few hours' time, and we will be tweeting a link out to the UFC page, the YouTube uh, live stream for both the UFC and also, I believe, for BT Sport, uh, where you can watch this thing. Um, but first and foremost, welcome Thanks for coming back. As I said, episode 52, you know, I don't, I don't know how we've done 52 of these things, but we have and appreciate you guys for listening. Um, want to extend uh, an apology for the last episode. The energy was low. I'd just gotten out of the dentist, but like I said, I was, I was, I was conscious that we hadn't jumped on the mic and there was plenty to talk about, but I definitely don't think I gave it my best effort on that one. So for any of you guys that listened um, and happen to be tuning into this show, Last episode is not how we roll. Try to get better every episode. And uh, and just a victim of the circumstances of the day, really, on that one. Uh, but it was the only chance we had. So wanted to bring you something rather than nothing. But that was not our usual standard. And uh, I do not plan on having a repeat of that. But still getting the, the, uh, the guys out there and the girls out there listening. Um... Everything is going the right way, so we're going to keep doing it, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, we're going to have some low energy days and what have you, but, you know, we're, we're still going to, we're going to still keep this ball rolling. So, um, so yeah, plenty to talk about, um, and definitely the press conference is coming up in a couple of hours, uh, it is, is a huge reason for it, but plenty of other shit to talk about as well. Um, it's been a, it's been an interesting kind of week, week and a half. Uh, for me personally, uh, some stuff going on with some very, very close friends uh, that's caused a bit of push and pull and, you know, getting kind of some aggro around that. But, you know, got to park that for a minute because there's only so much influence um, that I can have or should have in the situation. But um, it's it's been an interesting time. Um, but I mean, from all accounts, everything is going very, very well. Um, I'm feeling fucking great just on a, on a, on a personal level. I'm feeling great back to the gym, back in the routine of things, feeling good, eating well. Um, and it makes such a difference, uh, to, to be back in the routine of things and, and to be honest, like feeling, feeling pretty fucking cut at the moment. Um, I'm not on a, I'm not on a shred. I'm not on a deficiency um, or a deficit diet or anything like that. I just think I'm eating the right things and giving myself my body enough nutrients to to really kind of recover from the work that I'm doing. Um, you know, replenish those muscles, give me the energy to keep going. And usually by Thursday, I am just wiped and I can't stand to do my Thursday gym session. But this morning I was up. Four, I woke up before my alarm, so it was like 25 past four in the morning. You know, I was at the gym by quarter two, ready to go. It was a squat rack, you know, it's sort of uh, 10 to five, like ready to go, like getting in sets already. So it felt great. Um, the body's feeling great. Everything is going well. And I was thinking about it when I was done and 
sometimes we talk motivation, we talk, you know, exercise, wellness, nutrition, you know, fitness, all that that stuff, because I do personal train, um, aside from my nine to five and, and doing the podcast, um, I do personal train a few clients uh, in the evenings and, in, and, uh, and so on around the area. But I was just thinking to myself, this industry that, that is the fitness kind of industry, specifically with like trainers and quote unquote experts, the, the more and more I do it, the more and more I, I think it's for the most part, not categorically, but for the most part, it's a load of shit. The fitness industry is is a bunch of bullshit. Personal trainers are a bunch of bullshit. Um, I would say 99% of personal trainers are garbage. I would say 99% of supplements are garbage. I would say um, 99% of m- most of the kind of common knowledge that's banded around is for somebody else's benefit rather than the recipient of the message, right? So what I mean by that is the person looking for fitness advice is the least likely to get anything from the fitness advice. It's going to boost the profile of the writer. It's going to boost the profile of the magazine because there's a perceived authority um, and influencer status that comes along with producing content like that. But just take a just take a magazine like Men's Fitness or or Men's Health or something like that, right? Where they seem to have a different program or a different methodology that's the perfect one for you every single issue, right? I will tell you how you can write men's health in one issue for the majority of the population. Go to the gym, lift some weights, sweat, and do it consistently. In addition, eat healthy, don't eat processed foods, anything that's in a package, anything that's wrapped in plastic, you should avoid. Anything that you can't kill, pluck, forage, or produce yourself shouldn't be consumed. It's really that simple. There's no 30 days for abs. There's just not, okay? There's no 30 days for abs. Not if we're talking sustainable health and fitness, okay? CrossFit or, you know, powerlifting or bodybuilding. And yeah, okay, I get the science behind it, right? About muscle adaptation and progressive overload and, you know, different things like that, cardio cycles and and high intensity interval, you know, versus, uh, you know, long uh, steady duration or steady state, however you want to call it. Like I get those things, right? But what I'm saying is like, you, you build your chest by lifting things in a horizontal press motion, right? Or some variety of that. But these people who try to make it like you need to do periodization in terms of, you know, uh, being on uh, 15 to 20 reps, then 5 to 10 reps, and, and 3 to and 5, and, 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 and 7, and, and, and 7 sets of 3, and, you know, they, they overcomplicate it so that the mass public doesn't understand it, and then, and then there is a... There is a seemingly desire or appetite for learning this knowledge. But what people need to actually learn is that if you just go and do stuff, you'll get a similar result. Now, if you want to be a professional body lifter or bodybuilder or a professional power lifter or whatever, there are varying degrees of that, right? You have to get a little bit more specific, sure. But for 90%, if not more, of the population, this is very achievable by following like three steps. So the reason that I bring this up is because I was thinking about it afterwards. I was, I've spoken about the gym I used to be a member of. And 
in that gym there was a there was a there was a big emphasis on uh, powerlifting and progressive overloading and going heavy and you know doing all of this stuff and no real mention of um you know CrossFit you couldn't talk about CrossFit couldn't talk about CrossFit what it was uh it was blasphemy to talk about CrossFit it was blasphemy to talk about exercising outside with like you know a couple of kettlebells or you know and a band or, you know or something like that um. It was, it, you don't, you don't talk about, you don't talk about athletic training, vertical lifts, vertical pulls, horizontal lifts, hor horizontal pulls, basically, right? Triple extension lifts, things like that. That was it. But do it heavy and do it often and don't be a pussy about it. Well, I got sucked into that mentality and was constantly looking for how to add a bit more weight, how to add a bit more weight, how to add a bit more weight. By the nature of numbers... <laughs> And what overload is defined by, you're going to max that out pretty quickly, right? And again, if you want to be a professional and you want to, you know, start juicing and taking steroids and doing all this shit, then that's a different story. But I'm talking about the general population here. I'm talking about the average person who wants to go in and get fit. There's this emphasis, there was an emphasis on this of, uh, on this other gym of, lift heavy, lift often, and work through it, right? If you fuck up your shoulder, get in here and do some squats or what the fuck ever, right? Do something else, basically. And I got sucked into this. And I had more injuries in a three-year period than I probably had in my entire life, minus some ankle injuries from playing basketball. Blew my shoulder out, fucked up my back. My hips are like completely disaligned like all of this stuff right and I've spent ages trying to fix it physio sessions yoga constant stretching rolling you fucking name it right and what dawned on me since I left that gym is that those kind of influences those those kind of influences that push you towards a specific doctrine they're not cookie cutter approaches or sorry they they're they're more of a cookie cutter approach that they apply to everybody rather than tailoring to the individual or what can often happen is that an individual won't provide honest feedback because they're afraid that they're going to get told to suck it up or you know well that's how you're supposed to feel you're supposed to feel hurt you're supposed to feel sore all the time i feel sore i've i've felt sore for 15 years okay if you felt sore for 15 years, you've been training incorrectly, okay? This is like an area of enlightenment for me right now because like I've been doing it unconscious, uh, unconsciously and I've been doing it just because I've been listening to my body more, but I've stopped chasing these numbers. I've stopped chasing a higher one rep max all the time, right? pushing it up past 160, 170 kilos. I'm 84 kilos, right? People who tell you a strength test and all of this is double your body weight and your body weight overhead pressed for this many reps, fuck those guys, man. Fuck those guys. And fuck anybody in the industry that is subjecting the general public out there to these, like, these, these doctrines or these, like, dogmas and... Like just ill-advised Ill like training methods that aren't taking into account the full spectrum of a person that is, that is about to enter into this. <clears throat> I just think it's irresponsible. And it just dawned on me, I've had, I've had so much success at this new gym in the past, what's it got to be, six months now maybe, something like that? Completely different. My body doesn't feel stressed out. And I know I mentioned earlier, like by Thursday, I'm usually like completely fucked. But it's in a different way. I'm not broken. I'm just exhausted. And after four days of hard work, you should be somewhat exhausted, right? Right? That's why you take a couple days off to recover, but you shouldn't be broken. And I often see this, like, people are just given what their trainer thinks is the right thing, 
right? And then I see examples of like people who used to preach one way of training pretty much exclusively, now training in a way that you couldn't even talk about around them a year ago. So it's like, how much credibility can you give to people in this industry if they just want to throw the same old shit at you? And is that the right thing to do? Or should you curtail it to the individual on the individual training session, depending on the factors that are sitting in front of you? That person might be a little bit more tired than they were yesterday or they might feel a lot better than they did yesterday or, you know, they might, I don't know, they might not have eaten right or something like that, but you're still just going to give them this, these fucking workouts to do. I think people need to be able to speak up to their trainers way more than they do. Um, I think trainers need to be more receptive to it. I think at the end of the day, the personal training business is effectively a racket because like I said before, 99% of them in my opinion are absolutely worthless. Trust me, I've seen enough of these people now, both on television, seminars, you know, I, I, I got qualified in this. So I, I've done my research on, on the trainers that are out there. Um, you know, there's not very many good ones. There's not very many good ones. You don't want a trainer that's going to promise to get you there in two months. And you don't want a trainer that after two years hasn't done anything for you. I'm barely happy with myself in terms of, you know, how my physique looks, but nah, that's a fucking lie. I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty happy with it. It's coming along. Um, you know, it's an ongoing process, so I'm never going to stop, but yeah, I'm, pr I'm pretty happy. You know, I'm pretty happy with the way it is. Um, so yeah, fucking short myself like that. Um, but my point is, my point is be aware and beware of false prophets. They can appear in any industry. They can appear from anywhere at any time, right? In the fitness industry, it is like preying on the vulnerable. It's so hard for people to take a step into the gym because of the environment that most of them have. They're not particularly welcoming. They're well, or they're welcoming in a really like salesy, bullshitty type of way. But if they do take that step and they come into a gym, then they're faced with all this stuff that they don't know, right? And rather than doing a little bit of research on it or, you know, asking somebody or whatever, they hire a personal trainer and go straight into something. Oftentimes, they don't even know what they want. But yet, you know, the trainer will come up with a program for them. It's just right for them. A little bit of calorie deficit, you know, get some squats in there, get some deadlifts in there. Okay, cool. But what about mobility in a 47-year-old woman? Or flexibility in a 60-year-old man? What about vitality and human, human movement? I don't see any of these people doing this. I don't see, like, almost nobody that I'm seeing is doing this. Because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Because they don't care. Because they just want your cash. So what I realized is the fact that the best thing that I've done along my fitness journey this, you know, to this point is basically stop looking at these fucking fitness websites. Stop reading these fitness magazines. Stop listening to these fitness quote unquote gurus online. What I've started doing is listening to my body. If I know... The fundamentals of what I want to do and what I'm trying to accomplish, then I can guide myself towards that goal. But the thing that I've had to keep in mind and other people need to keep in mind that, that this is a lifestyle that you're embarking on. It's not a fad. It's not a phase 
And it's not some temporary solution that's going to last, you know, years after you've done it for a couple of months. If you want to do this and you want to invest your money, then the two things you should do is start watching YouTube, right? How to get in shape. Very, very simple. Or 10 most effective exercises for beginners or something like that. What's it going to show you? It's going to show you squats. It's going to show you lunges. It's going to show you deadlifts. It's going to show you curls. It's going to show you extensions. It's going to show you overhead press. It's going to show you uh, some core work, crunches, leg lifts, knee raises, things like that. It's going to give you hamstring curls. It's going to give you you know, shoulder shrugs. It might give you kettlebell swings. It might give you goblet squats, things like that. Okay, for an effective program, you need probably about 10 moves or 10 elements in it, right? Couple of upper body pushes, couple of upper body pulls, couple of lower body pushes, and a couple of lower body pulls. Couple of core exercises that hit the front, side, top, bottom, and back. And then you need some cardio that you enjoy doing that you can do without getting bored maybe could pick a couple of exercises like walking or running or swimming or skipping or cycling or whatever boxing is a phenomenal one kickboxing is a phenomenal one but just do any combination of those and if you get sore stop doing it for a couple of days until it's not sore anymore then go back and do it again i'm fucking telling you it sounds like i don't know what i'm talking about just listen to your body. Listen to your body. Be consistent with the effort that you put out in terms right now of obviously the gym. Work safely. Don't look or pay attention to what anybody else is doing. Focus on yourself. And eat healthy. It's fucking easy. It's so, no, it's not easy. It's simple. It's simple. It's definitely not easy because if it were easy, we wouldn't have an obesity crisis in this country, both with adults and more problematic with children. It's easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. But there are plenty of resources and in like unlimited information out there for you to teach yourself how to do this. And it doesn't take very long. It doesn't take very long. But just do you. Don't work out with someone else's ideas in mind because they're not fit for you. If you're sweating at the end of your workout, if you've put the effort in, you have to be honest with yourself. If you've put the effort in, over time, this will equal success. It's just that easy. It's just that easy. Effort multiplied by time will equal results. It's just that easy. But don't listen to these fads. Don't listen to these fucking quote-unquote experts, man. And don't listen to me if you don't want to listen to me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that I've gotten more progress out of just listening to how my body feels. And if I'm fucking sore one day, I don't go to the gym. I do not go to the gym. And if I have a big-ass pizza from Papa John's, I just make sure I don't do it the next day. Do you know what I mean? This is what I mean by consistency. This is what I mean by discipline. And ultimately, it goes back to the underlying fundamental principle of this podcast, which is accountability. You can't expect, you can't expect anybody to give a shit about you. You have to do it. You just have to do it yourself. And there's no right way. There's no this way works for everybody. It doesn't work that way. We're too diverse as individuals. Your biomechanics are going to be different than mine. Your physiology is going to be different than mine. Unless we want to bring experts in all those fields together, 
I think the best thing that we can do is lay out some fundamental principles. And if those fundamental principles are adhered to, the inevitable end result will be success and will be a healthier version of you. Categorically. Categorically. Stop eating sugar right now. If you do that for a month, you'll look and feel a lot different. Now, add some exercise in with that as well. And if you do it, and you're honest with yourself, and you put the actual effort in to do that consistently four days a week, for an hour, there's no way you won't look and feel different in two months' time. It's just impossible. That's that simple. So be motivated to listen and be confident to trust what your body is telling you. But also, don't always listen to that little voice in your head that says, eh, that's enough. Because sometimes, a lot of times, that little voice is, um, is your devil. He's, he's the red character on the left shoulder saying, that's enough. That's enough. You've done enough for today. Couple sets, you've been here for half an hour. That's enough. Go have a sandwich. So there is some not listening to ourselves as well. So maybe this is where the complexity comes in. It's a psychological complexity. It's a tricking ourselves. It's it's a tricking of ourselves to understand that that little voice has got our worst intentions in mind. Right? He's the have another drink. It's still early. He's the go ahead and say that. It's not that bad. Right? It's the impulse thing. An impulse to quit is very, very strong in a lot of people. And we've got to learn to ignore that. And that's where the discipline and the accountability comes in. And if we can use that discipline and that accountability to override that little nasty bastard who's telling us to fucking stop, then I promise you consistency will take over. And results will follow inevitably. So... Be confident that you know the way to health and well-being and fitness and a better version of yourself. Trust in yourself to find that place and stay in that place. Because there's no better gift or investment that you can make in yourself than more years and more good years even more important than that. I want to be 65 and still be able to jump up on a table. I'm working my goddamnedest to make sure that I'm not a hunchback, cripple, disabled, invalid motherfucker when I'm middle age and older. I am investing that time and effort now to pay off and to cash in later. This is an investment. Like you have to financially invest in your future and secure yourself a homestead. You have to do the same thing with your physical self and your mental self as well. And in my opinion, coming from the background that I've had and the experiences that I've gone through, fresh, clean, good eating and a healthy dose of consistent hard work in the form of exercise is the best psychologist and the best antidepressant on the planet. Because I feel fucking great. And I'm looking pretty good too. And I can't wait to hit the fucking beach in December. You know, you get those periods and those moments when you can actually enjoy the work that you've put in. But That's just my two cents. (laughs) Can we talk for just a moment about win-win or (laughs) lose-lose? 
because I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen it by now, but MGK responded to Eminem or vice versa. I don't know. And I don't fucking care. I just think from a business perspective, I'm talking win, win, lose, lose, win, lose, etc. So anyways, this battle happened. First off, rapper beef, right? I mean, fucking YouTube beef, rap beef. I mean, there's no beef. Where's the beef? You know? Fuck are we talking about? Like Drake just made up with some fucking rapper. Everybody was like, woof. Close call. Excuse me? You think either one of these guys are trying to catch a case for anything? Ooh, slurping on the podcast. Got that iced Americano. Standard. Mmm. Wonder if drinking coffee through a straw fucks you up more. Like alcohol. But hey, Costa. Why are you giving me a smoothie? My God, I just realized that. They've given me like a Frappuccino straw in my iced Americano, so I can't get the last inch at the bottom unless I flip my straw upside down and then risk cutting my lip on the fucking straw. Hey, Costa, what the fuck? I come in there almost every day. See, you motherfuckers get bought by Coke and all of a sudden you start slipping. Oh, gross. Fuck's sakes. Anyways, win-win and lose-lose, right? So MGK went at Eminem and did like a whole like rap devil thing against him, right? And Eminem did an interview, I guess, with Sway, this uh, hip-hop radio personality guy, and kind of explained everything. But he was talking about this, and it's so true, man. There's like, like, like he obviously called this guy out because he heard some shit. But if he continues to respond and this beef like goes back and forth, that doesn't do anything for Eminem. His legacy is secure. But this guy's trying to make more of a name off himself by coming at Eminem with some kind of beef. Beef. It's just a stupid fucking word. And it's so untrue. Um, Sam's like, you know, if you come at me, then you can make a name off of me. But if I come at you, there's nothing for me to gain out of that. And he's so true. But what I like is that he's he's kind of done that. Like, he's kind of put his words out, and that's fine. Um, But then that's it. And now... Machine Gun Kelly, this MGK, this this guy, he's like, again, just fake it till you make it, right? And it's turned out that it's changed from a win-win scenario because he's opening up for Fallout Boy to a win-lose scenario because he's performing in front of, like, you know, thousands of people for Fallout Boy's audience, but now he's getting booed because... People actually don't care about the rap beef because people don't really think there is any sort of beef at all. And all you're trying to do is be controversial and it's kind of weak. And that's why Eminem's a good businessman and Machine Gun Kelly's open for Fallout Boy. I mean, there's nothing for him to gain off that. But... It is what it is, man. I think people just, people think they can just capitalize on like immediate outrage or like getting off on somebody else's like career. I think, I think it's just, I think it's just weak, man. I think, I think what it means to me is that you just need to stay in your lane and just fucking do you. And I've had some comments. I had some comments about the show and, you know, suggestions of how to make it different and you know things like that I started really thinking about it and like yo should I change this should I do that should I change this and I thought no fuck that sometimes I talk all over the place sometimes I get angry sometimes the audio is a little fucked up or something like that, right? But I always use we in terms of this crew. And like I've said before, 
It's just me here. I'm just talking to you from Southeast London. When I have a couple of hours to get some thoughts off my chest. If this thing grows into something else, fantastic. But all I want to do is put out a message that is unfiltered, uncensored, and unaccountable to anybody but me. You know, now I know Spot, um, SoundCloud will give me a strike against my account if I put anybody's music in this, which I think is very, very strange. But nevertheless, you know, I, I talk about what I want when I want and I talk about how I want. I talk about it how I want to, you know. So I'm not going to change the style of how I do this podcast until maybe I can upgrade into a bigger studio. So, hey, any advertisers out there that want to be attached to a controversial loudmouth, give me a shout. Um you can hit me up on Facebook or Twitter. Um, but if I start to think that I should be doing this show in a specific way that is different or unnatural to what I would normally do, then I'm faking it. And I'm not fake. That's not how I'm going out. I'm not going out like that. I want this just to be me. Fucking having a chat. Speaking to you guys. Getting your thoughts and your feedback talking to other people, just discussing interesting things. But ultimately, at the foundation of this, like I said earlier, is a platform for accountability, both for me, you know, but also for some of the things that are wrong with the world that we live in. You know? So I think... That could have been a win-win situation or a win-lose situation or, you know, I maybe could have changed up the style of the show a little bit. And, you know, it's always going to evolve. So I'm not saying it's never going to change, but, you know, fundamentally who I am and how I present is probably not going to change very much. So maybe if I did change it, maybe that'd make it more attractive to people or I'd be able to monetize it easier or something like that. But then, you know what? I'm fucking sellout. And that's not my vibe, man. That's not my vibe, never has been. So I'm going to keep doing this thing the way I want to do it and the way I think it should be done, which is effectively just a raw and uncut version of me. You know, just my thoughts on recording. And maybe that will be a lose-lose. Maybe I won't develop the audience and therefore won't monetize it. But you know what? Okay. Maybe then I will take a step back. Maybe then I will readjust. I don't know. But I just want this to be as honest as possible. So I don't want to change it to appeal to anybody. I just want it to be what it is. And if it does appeal to people, then fantastic. And if it doesn't, fantastic. I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. Because I enjoy it. And that's the most important thing, guys. It's just about enjoying yourself more. You know, it's the same thing with the workout stuff. And the exercise and the fitness stuff, man. That's That should be fun. You should enjoy doing that. That's what's going to make you want to keep doing it. Is if you enjoy it. If it's fun. If it's engaging. If it's entertaining. And I hope, if nothing else, this is engaging and entertaining for you guys. If it isn't, fucking tell me. I'm a big boy. I can take it. But this is this is a show that we're doing, man. We're talking like this. We'll swear a lot. We'll be controversial. But we'll always be honest. And if that ends up being a lose-lose, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But I have to keep in my mind, we haven't even been doing this for a year. This has been like what? March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Seven months. 52 episodes in seven months. I'm happy with that. Would I like thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners every day? Yeah, that'd be amazing. But it's not happened yet. That doesn't mean I'm going to fucking stop. Same thing goes for you guys. Same thing goes with changing your life for the better. Success is not a linear line, right? It's not linear. A linear line, same fucking thing. Success is not linear. 
Success is you're going to have an amazing day, an amazing month. You're going to have a terrible week. You're going to have a terrible year. Stay the course. Stay the course. Same with exercise. You're going to have a bad week in the gym. You're going to have a bad session from time to time. You're going to be a little bit sore in the beginning. Sure. Stay with it. Be consistent. It's going to be hard to get used to eating, finding, shopping, looking, discovering new healthy food that you enjoy. But man, is it worth it. My wife, good Lord, she cooked this sea bass last night stuffed with Parmesan cheese, breadcrumbs, oregano, or no, not oregano, thyme, something like that. Oh my God. It was amazing. It was amazing. Had it with some spinach and some corn. I'm telling you. It was gorgeous. The things she comes up with. Amazing. The fact that I'm growing a ton of our vegetables out in my backyard now. You fucking don't know what a tomato tastes like until you've grown it yourself. Or cucumber. How lovely and crisp a cucumber can be when it comes straight off the vine, quick rinse under the water, and straight into your mouth or straight onto a sand. It's, I mean, it's amazing. Kale coming from the backyard, garlic coming from the backyard, rosemary coming from the backyard, basil coming from the backyard, parsley coming from the backyard, peppers coming from the backyard. Not quite yet, they're not ripe, but. It's amazing the things you might discover that you love if you just stay consistent with a good track of action for a long time. And I'll tell you what, investing in that from a health and fitness perspective, that's only a win-win. Anybody tells you that it's more expensive to eat healthy is fucking lying. Or they don't know how nutrition works very well. That's a win-win. Exercise and eating healthy is a win-win. Consistency and accountability to oneself, win-win. But we need some accountability. We lack accountability across all spectrums of society at the moment. In particular, nothing. Specifically, yeah, maybe a whole bunch of stuff that I want to talk about. But in terms of this right now and the accountability, what comes to mind? What comes to mind straight away is the knife crime in, in the UK, in London specifically. Because this year's not over and it's already at a record high number. You know... I, like I said, I live in Southeast London. There's been four that I've heard of in the last, what, three and a half weeks, four weeks. Unacceptable. Completely unacceptable that these killings are being perpetrated by teenagers, man. That they're happening all together, of course, but the fact that they're coming from a, from a, from a disenfranchised youth. I mean, this is horrendous stuff. They did a stop in my area, or not specifically my area, but down the road. Thousands of weapons retrieved in one day. And we're talking switchblades, fucking, you know, foot and a half long, two foot long machetes being pulled off of kids. We have a knife crime epidemic in this country. We have a, we have a violent crime epidemic happening in this country. And it's... It's a number of reasons, but two that I point to, one is a lack of law enforcement and the government cuts that have happened to law enforcement. The fact that we have a record, uh, a record low number of police officers currently, you know, criminals aren't scared, you know, 
kids don't recognize consequence like a normal adult anyways because their fucking prefrontal cortex isn't developed. Plus, they have a terrible society around them. So there's an accountability from the government perspective because they need to be doing more to protect people. They need to have more police employed and they need to not cut vital services to the police. But there's also an accountability here from the side of the parents. There was a Ghanaian, um, there was a video on Facebook. I don't know if it was real or not, but I think it was. Um, and it was, it was this, basically it was a, a Ghanaian, Ghanaian, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, this father confronting his son about these knives and how like he's going to report them to the police and like all of this stuff. And it was like, it was such a great example of like accountability by a parent and, you know, standing up for it and being more present, being more involved in what the hell is actually happening with your kids. And I truly think that there has to be some responsibility on the parents as well. If your child is a minor, it can't just be down to, well, he runs with a bad crowd. It just can't be that. There needs to be active participation by parents where their children are concerned. And if there isn't, <clears throat> and it's demonstrable evidence that there's neglect or, you know, some lack of care on the parents' part that may have led to this, they should be held accountable for these crimes as well. I am deadly serious when I think there should be a stop and frisk protocol in place in the city. I think there should be mandatory minimums for any first-time offenses of even possession of a weapon of any kind. And I think the mayor should be on television right now. Well, I mean, let's be honest, this should have happened fucking months ago. But, you know, we're at such a critical level right now that he needs to stand up on television, implement these now. And say this is categorical and the parents are going to be held responsible, too. So you got to step up. But also... The PM needs to invest in the police services, in the Metropolitan Police, everything. This needs to be a collective effort. But I'm calling it right now, man. And this is not racial profiling before any, because I can hear them. I can hear the comments already. Well, that's racial profiling. You can't do that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about profiling by the demographic of the ones that have been convicted, charged, the ones that have been caught and had their their um, their shit confiscated from them, confiscated from them. I am talking about a stop and frisk protocol for any kids, ready, 14 to 20. If you look a certain way, not your gender and not your race. If you dress a certain way, if you appear a certain way, what do you think these kids are carrying? Where are they carrying two foot machetes when they're four foot tall, five foot tall? A two foot machete? There needs to be a stop and frisk protocol for all 14 to 20 year old men that seem to be congregated as a group, dressed a certain way, out after antisocial hours. And there needs to be a mandatory minimum sentence, juvenile detention, solitary confinement, probably not a good idea, you know, which is what, like, what would happen is they'd need to be taken away from that element. And if you put them in juvenile detention, they're just going to mix in with that element. So, the detention side of things is, you know, it's got to be used as a deterrent. But I think that's why you need to also get the parents involved. And if there is 
evidence to show that these parents were negligent, you know, unattentive, non-present parents, there needs to be some accountability thrown at them as well. Because I think they know who their kids are already and they just, they either can't or don't want to take any stance on it. We are past that point. The responsibility lies on the government to put the services in place that are the basic frontline fundamental defenses or at least should act it when they're fully staffed and fully funded. It comes from the government's responsibility to give us those services and it comes from the parents' responsibility to check their fucking kids. You got a problem with, with the police stopping five teenagers and saying, hey boys, any nice? We need to do a quick pat down. I'm sorry. The fuck are you going to do? Have random people coming out of the tube station or comedy clubs just getting knifed for their iPhone? We cannot devolve into that sort of a society. And with over, with over 14,000 reported cases this year already in London, I think it was London, the stat that I saw, might have it up still. I think it's like 14,000 in London alone. Like there's video on this independent article I'm looking at now. Like it's it's just ridiculous, man. This guy's got you know the knife that some um, fucking advert. You know the knife that uh Arnold Schwarzenegger's guy has in Predator slashes his fucking thing with his chest with I'm about to show you a video, play a video, where this is happening. I mean, this is insane. This kid trying to get into this car and this car is trying to drive away and this guy's got, it's not a machete, it's an army knife. Like 14,000 crimes related to knife and violence already in London. Over 40,000 reported cases in the UK. And nobody is on the TV from the government or the mayor's office to say, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. It's just, we need more police. We need more police. Yeah, we do. But with the police we've got now, they need to have the remit to go and stop and frisk these little motherfuckers because there is a very, very specific demographic. And again, I am not talking about race. I am talking about gender. And I am talking about, let's be honest, specific dress type. We fucking know who these people are. They, the cops just need the green light to go and search them. There needs to be a clawback on the amount of knives that are in this city. Shanks that are in this city. Like, mandatory minimums. Like, seriously, mandatory minimum sentences for this shit. We cannot live in a society that's devolved back into fucking knife crime. And you gotta worry on your journey home whether you're gonna be stabbed by some oncoming psychopath or not. And the fact that nobody's fucking standing up and saying anything about this is an absolute disgrace. It's a disgrace. Like I said, the mayor needs to be on TV. Obviously, Theresa May can't do it because she's too busy fucking up Brexit. But somebody needs to come out on television and talk about this in a real way. Like, we can't stop. What do you think it is? Oh, we need more social initiatives, community initiatives. Yeah, but our police force is being slashed. Our transport's being slashed. Our services and our councils are being slashed. Our education is in danger. What the fuck are you talking about? You're going to build a community center and hope that these guys gravitate towards it? You know what it's going to become? It's going to become a fucking drug dealing den. It's going to be a no-go zone is what it's going to become. You have to fucking put some consequences in place for the kids and for the parents. Categorical, I think. What I would be doing a like a special alert bulletin with the amount of knife crimes that's been happening in this city, I would be saying I need to make a special announcement and I'm giving police the green light to start st to, to start 
stopping and frisking young boys between the ages of 14 and 20 that are dressed like they're a part of a fucking gang or that they're up to no good, which means hoodies, I'm afraid, baggy pants, I'm afraid, hanging out in groups of, you know, kind of two, three or more, three or more, let's go three or more, right? And if it turns out that their parents are scumbags too, they fucking deserve it. I'm not talking about the single mom who's working three jobs who might be a bit disconnected from her child. I'm talking about the parents that we all know and recognize as the scumbag parents. They need to be held accountable. And if they can't be held accountable, they need to not have any more fucking children. I'm not playing when I talk about this. I'm not embellishing my thoughts here. This is what I think. This is what I think needs to happen. We got too many people on this fucking planet anyways. We got these scumbags popping about a dime a dozen. And then they can't be bothered to look after them. And they grow up and they try to find the first thing they can cling to. That's some semblance of a group, of a family. And it turns out, oh, well, all they're going to be doing is selling fucking dime bags and quarter bags and protecting their own territory so they're all knived up. And when the weed game slows down or the drug traffic slows down, they got to go and find some way to supplement that income. Or maybe they're just bad little motherfuckers that like stealing from people. Because, you know, young boys, testosterone, no prefrontal cortex development. Bad parenting, terrible disconnection of home, no teaching mentors, lack of education, lack of community outreach service. How many fucking things do we need to name? But right now, we need to put a stop to the flow of violence. And the only way you can do that is by implementing some strategic consequences that say you don't get a second chance and we're actively coming to find the thing that's doing all the damage. Simple as that. This is not 40-year-old women that are going around stabbing people. Okay? For the most part, this is 14 to 20-year-old boys that are doing this. And in some cases, younger. So I just wanted to get that off my chest because I don't think we're doing anything about it, really. We need to be investing more in the police more in the protection of our citizens. And we need to put these motherfucking little bastards on notice that it's not going to be tolerated anymore. This is not going to be something you can escape from because you're a kid. You will be held accountable and so will your parents. So they need to step up too. I think you might see some things change. Call me harsh. So, yeah, th- those are my thoughts on that. Um, but I wanted to leave, leave you with that. Um, right. Can we get into it just for a minute? Can we just get it in for a minute before we go? I have to talk about it because it's been two years and everybody and their mother that is associated with the community that I'm about to delve into has been hoping that this moment would come. And it's not even the main moment, but it's it's the moment before the moment, you know? And like I said at the very beginning, there is a buzz around this. There is an there is a buzz around this, okay? And this is how fucking big Conor McGregor is, okay? They're going to live stream the press conference at Times Square. Times Square. Times Square. Okay? So it's Connor versus Khabib. This is the press conference. They did, Connor said, I'm not doing any media for this. I'm training for this, right? And rightly so, in my opinion. Rightly so. Because the pay per view is going to sell just off of his name alone. But the fact that he's being matched up against Khabib, Khabib doesn't have a fan, like he has a fan base. Of course he has a fan base. He's a huge fan base. But I don't know if a ton of that fan base buys pay-per-views all the time. I just don't. Um, I might be wrong on that, but I think the buys are going to come from the Connor side for the majority because he's just enormous. Now, there's only a million or two, I think, 
uh, between, like, say, their Instagram followers or something like that. Like, Connor's at, like, 7.4. I think Khabib's at, like, 6.1 or something like that. But I actually wonder how many of those fans on Khabib's page are actually Connor's fans that have come over now that this matchup has been established. So October 6th is a date. So we've got, what, two weeks? Two weeks. We've got two weeks until the actual fight, and we just are praying now to the MMA gods that they both stay healthy and that they both make the weight and they both walk in the best version of themselves on the night. But before that, before that, we have tonight. We have tonight. So I believe it's being broadcast from the T-Mobile Arena. And we're going to share the links to the YouTube page um, and to the UFC page and, and all the links that the UFC put up in terms of like where you can watch this. But it's going to be fucking all over the place, right? Just put YouTube on and put Connor in and you'll be fine, I'm sure. Um, but what's going to happen? Is it going to be explosive? I mean, he hasn't been on the mic since the Floyd fight. And he was on fire at those press conferences for the most part. I can't wait to hear what he's got to say, but I can't wait for Khabib either. This is the thing, right? I love Conor McGregor as a fighter, as, a, as an entertainer, as an entrepreneur. I think he's incredible. And what he's developed as a brand for himself and the extensions of that brand is nothing short of um, it's just extraordinary. It's extraordinary where he's gone from in, in, in the space of five years. It's just, there's nothing like it, right? And he's a crazy, talented, skillful, powerful fighter. Come here. You want to come up? Come here. All right. All right. Come give me a cuddle. Okay. Um, but then on the other side, you have this Dagestani uh, combat sambo fighter who's undefeated. Khabib, who you can YouTube him wrestling a bear at the age of nine. You know, he's he doesn't lose any rounds. He dominates everybody. That's why this is so intense. Because this is the first time that both guys have been face-to-face. -face. When knowing that the person that they're actually looking at is the one they're going to be fighting. The last face-to-face -face that these two had was when Connor threw a dolly at the fucking bus. Like, there's so much built up to this. There's so much animosity. There's so much volatility that could happen tonight. And I just, I'm so excited for it because... Sporting events like this don't happen a lot, right? It took him seven years to get the Manny Pacquiao-Floyd fight together, right? You're always waiting for those top, top matchups to happen. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes the guy's injured or whatever. Circumstances. But we're two weeks away. And there's been no report of any injuries. There's been no report of anything pointing towards why this fight wouldn't happen. Connor's looking lean. Khabib's looking lean. The weight could should be fine. And then we get to get it on. And we'll do a breakdown for it. And we'll give it the whole razzmatazz and fucking the dazzle and the stardust that it needs. Probably... Uh, the week of, but this, this thing is going to be viewed as much, if not more, it's not fucking as if this fucking press conference is going to be viewed by so many people. There's going to be viewing parties for it. I can't wait to turn, actually turn on the media and, and start having a look at the buildup and see where these people are gathering, the pubs and whatever, the stadiums and, and whatever it may be. But 
If you're any sort of fan of the UFC, if you're any sort of fan of combat sports, you need to check this out. I don't know what's going to happen. I doubt it's going to be placid. I doubt it's going to be placid. When has there ever been a boring Conor McGregor press conference? So I just wanted to leave you with the fact that I'm a, I'm giddy like a fucking schoolgirl right now. I cannot wait. And it's going to be what, 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, something like that at most. Fucking millions of people are going to watch it. You can get the link on our on uh, on the Facebook page, by the way. Um, but I think that's it. I mean, leave it on a leave it on an excited note. I think so. Yeah, let's leave it there. Let's park it there. I got some other shit on my mind, but I might do another one tomorrow. I can't do another one tomorrow. Anyways, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're gonna park it. So that's it. Episode fifty two is a wrap. Not bad. Got through an hour, just over an hour. That's pretty good. Um, we didn't talk about Trump. We didn't talk about Kavanaugh. Um, we didn't talk about the sexual abuse allegations, um, against the Supreme Court nominee, uh, for, uh, we didn't talk about it at all, but it's pretty bad. You know, it's pretty bad. The trade with China, the Trump installed like 200 million worth a uh, 200 billion worth of tariffs. And they responded by saying, well, here's another 60 back your way. Um, the North Korea, South Korea summit, the hurricane in America, the the typhoon in Asia, and the fucking winds that are blowing my plants to shit in the UK. We didn't talk about any of this, but it doesn't matter. We'll get to that another time, I'm sure. I think on the Trump stuff, we'll have a lot more to go off of. But just remember, guys, the hurricane Florence, it's wet. And on that note... We'll see you later. So thanks for listening. Check us on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, all the rest of them. Facebook, Twitter, that's where you can find updates. We're going to actually post a link to the Conor McGregor fight as well, or to the to the press conference uh, this evening. So look out for that in a few hours. Or in, well, what do we got? A couple hours to it. I'll do it as soon as this is over. Um, right, that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Daryl. I'm your host as always. Today's been a pleasure. I'm feeling great. I hope you guys are too. Um, this is a quiet part loud. It's what we do. So until next time, guys, all the best.